Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So we're going through the book of John, and for those who have enjoyed the journey, we're almost towards the end, which is a sad thing, but also a great thing at the same time. I uh, uh, I recorded the Church at Home video for uh, our other locations this this week, and in it I mentioned that uh, back in the day when I was at Bible college, um, the gentleman who took us through New Testament theology, but also exegesis, he... His name was Reverend Dr. Ian Pennycook, lovely uh, Anglican guy with a heart for God and just had the presence of God around about him. And uh, for exegesis, we went through the book of John and we covered it for a whole semester, which was uh, to, you know, half a year. And it was just great going through this together and unpacking all of the gold or most of the gold uh, that is contained within the book of John. You never go wrong by just reading God's Word and allowing God's Word to change you. Uh, I remember Ian Pennycook used to say this, you can't put your finger on the Word of God, you need to let the finger of the Word of God stamp upon you. And I thought that's a great little message, isn't it? And so uh, today as we look into the Scriptures, we, I have the privilege of being able to speak about John chapter 17. And uh, it's uh, the chapter where Jesus prays for the disciples. And now we know that Jesus is at the right hand of God now interceding for you and I. That's what he's doing right now. To know that the Son of God is praying for us is an amazing thing in itself. And the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That's the King James Version saying if, if somebody who's righteous is praying for you, it means their prayers are going to be answered. They're praying the right things. And uh, you can imagine if the only one who is attributed to being righteous, actually righteous, is Jesus. And he's praying for us. So it's, it's phenomenal. I won't read the whole book of uh, John chapter 17, but I will pull out uh, Jesus' prayers. And uh, in my study, I, I love Matthew Henry and his commentary on the Bible is very, very big. Uh, it's very devotional. It's not always... Uh, again, Ian Pennycook would say, oh yeah, but he's you know, 400 years old and he's dead. And, <laughs> and so we need, sometimes we need some more contemporary understanding, but he tends to tease out things really, really well. And he breaks it into three, four things actually. Uh, verse 11 to 16, Jesus prays that the believers, both the disciples at the time and ones to come might be kept. But then the three I want to con concentrate on today is the first that I'll concentrate on is that they might be sanctified. Jesus prays that the church and the disciples might be sanctified. And that's found in verse uh, 17 to 19. I'll read those. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, You've got to understand here in this passage the purpose of sanctification. Uh, if you look into the actual meaning of the word, or meaning of to be sanctified, it can have two, two, two uh, meanings. One is to be set apart, and one is to be set apart for service. And 
whenever God does something, He doesn't just do it for any unknown reason. He does it for the purpose of establishing His kingdom. And here He gives us a great clue. He says that uh, we will be sanctified by the Word, but then He's sending us into the world. So the Word has to have an effect. And that effect is that we become witnesses, examples, disciples, um, ambassadors, uh, people that will point to Jesus. That's the purpose. And then secondly, he prays that we might be united. And uh, that's found in verse 11 on. And he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. What a great verse that is. When you think about the great commission, commission, when Jesus sent out the disciples into the world, he actually, it's called a commission because he says, I will be with you. I will go with you. And God's desire in Jesus' prayer is that you and I might be one, one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Spirit, and one with one another. Amen. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now that assumes that we're a message, doesn't it? It doesn't say that they will believe in me because they hold themselves up in the church doors. It says that we've got a message to share. We've got a hope to give. We've got the presence of God around about us that might be an influence. Now, you know, I'm not talking about an Instagram influencer where you can doctor up your photos to make them look sweet so that you can get across the line in somebody's, you know, message count and how many friends you've got. I'm talking about being a real influencer, somebody who makes a difference. I remember, you remember James Rose, he, always, he used to always put at the end of his uh, emails, be the difference. Although that's a great little tagline, isn't it? That we ought to be the difference. that they may be one, Father, just as you are and me. How mad is this? Through their message. And then he says, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Wow. God wants us to be sanctified, which means to be set apart for His purpose, but He wants us to be unified with Him. And again, not for just any random reason, the reason is found here. Verse 23, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The love of God is contagious, sneezes, are contagious, yawns are contagious, but the love of God is contagious. Chicken pox is contagious. If you're going to spread something, COVID, I shouldn't swear in church, but if you're going to share something, you must share the love of God because once you get the love of God around about you, it changes your world. Some of you know a little bit of my background. I came from a pretty dodgy background, to be honest. Uh, young child, grew up in a pretty abusive family on many fronts. 
But I remember, um, you know, I used, my dad was an alcoholic. I used to have many fights with him. And uh, some of you already know that Janet Wade Main made a safe place available for me at the church. And it was there on my way down to that safe place long before I felt completely safe that I met Jesus on a bike heading down there after having a massive fight with my old man and just, you know, it was because I wouldn't play Slim Dusty and I just wanted to pray, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead. Play me Slim Dusty. I didn't know how to play Slim Dusty because I didn't know the person who taught me a guitar only taught me he is Lord. So I started playing that. He got upset about it. He got a bit, how are you going with these fosters? And, and so uh, I jumped on the bike and started to head down to the church. That's where I met Jesus on my bike and uh, on my dragster bike with the three, you know, the gears in the centre there. Big handlebars like this. I mean, it was the day, mate. Kick the flag off because that was girly. So you got rid of that. Not these days. I mean, you'd, you'd probably have whatever you like these days. I might have even had a you know, flower basket on the front of it. But anyway, I got rid of it because I didn't like it. <coughs> had the handbrakes on the front. of. I ran over my favourite dog, Blackie, on it. Because you used to head down to, you know, get into the shops and there was this, we never had gutters. We, like, we had big holes in the ground, pretty much like Camden at the moment. But you, um, and so instead of, you know, going around the corner, you'd go down through the gutter pipes and you'd be able to jump. And so Blackie was running along beside me. Guess what colour he was, by the way? Yeah, black. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to name him that. <laughs> Even these days would have been coloured or something like that. Anyway, so he's running beside me and he ran in front of me and I slammed my f- hand on the brake and the brake cable snapped so I went straight over the dog and then over the thing. Then I kicked the dog because he made me miss my jump. But, um, anyway, I met Jesus on the, on the dragster bike is what I was trying to tell you. And uh, I remember being so caught up in emotion and angry and frustrated and annoyed. A young kid. I mean, I was 12, 13 years old. The only reason I was uh, heading down to church really because... David Dufty invited me to church at school. And he said, would you like to come to Fun Club? And I'm thinking, okay, I'll go to Fun Club. Probably the only person ever spoke to me. So I went down to Fun Club and there I was. Shirley Donald, this lady, used to pick me up and take me to youth group on a Friday night and she'd pick me up and take me to church on a Sunday. And then as I began to get involved with church, then Janet Wade Main, who had polio, uh, walked and her foot, her leg went backwards. Now that's freakish to a to a young kid, but she taught me resilience. She made me sit in her um, study and do all of my HSC study, Ebony, <laughs> because I wasn't akin to doing it, but she taught me resilience. She had mangulated fingers because she had arthritis, but she played the piano beautifully. And I remember going to her with my big sob story about how bad my life was. And she said, Ken, there's many other people in the world that are worse off than you are. And uh, she taught me the truth, but she also loved me. She loved me with a love that came from Christ. And so on this bike, I was so frustrated and annoyed. Didn't know whether I wanted to scream, yell or kick or whatever. And I made my first statement to God, my first prayer, and it was such a prayer of faith. It was, God, if you're real. How about that for a faith-filled prayer? If you're real, if you're real, then I need you. And I remember just stopping. I was, I was actually turned right out of the you know, highway that went to Inverell onto Macquarie Street. And I was in the middle of the road on my red dragster bike, stopped, crying. Then I said, God, if you're real, I need you. And immediately, 
this sensation I can only describe as warm shampoo flooded my entire being. And I knew. I knew from that moment that God was real. So I didn't need a degree to call out to God. I didn't need to have any pre-requisite you know, of knowledge. I needed a friend to invite me to church, David Dufty. I needed a faithful woman of God who <clears throat> her own children had grown up, who took me under her wing and decided I'm going to drive this guy to and from church because he needs Christ. I needed a faithful minister who made a safe place for me. And I needed a dad who was uh, violent in order for me to find Christ. Now, why do I put dad in that picture? Who knows? If he hadn't been, would I have left the house that day? If I wasn't frustrated by that and annoyed, would I ever have called out to Christ? Luckily, I did. Now, I'm not condoning you know, being violent towards your kids in order to um, you know, let them find Jesus. But I am saying God redeems every circumstance, every circumstance. And you will find strength on the inside that God can overcome any battle, any what you may see as an impediment to your life. No matter what somebody has said to you in the past, what's important is the message that God gives us. And the importance is that we be the light, the love and the fragrance of Christ to those around about us. That's why we need to be sanctified. That's why we need to be unified one with another and with Christ. We need to say the same things that he says. The Pharisees and Sadducees were saying the right things. If you check their scripture, they were accurate. Their beef with Jesus was that he was more gracious to people. They thought because they had the message, they were the chosen. They were the only ones. But, in, but the truth of the message is there are many sons and daughters who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And God considers them as sons and daughters. Paul said it later in the, he says, from now on, I consider everything a loss compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. And when everybody started to argue about what is right, what is wrong, should you be allowed to eat meat? Should you worship the moon? Should you do this? What festivals should we go to? Paul cut through it all. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it for the glory of God. And then he said, he said, it doesn't matter whether there's male or female, Greek or Jew, this or that or something else. What matters is what God says about an individual. And he says, from now on, I consider no one an enemy. I reckon to consider everyone with the mind of Christ. And that's how we should be. That's what unity with Christ is for. And then finally, and this is such a mad uh, verse here, verse 24 to 26 is, so he prays that they'd be sanctified, set apart, and set apart for service, unified, one with him, same message, same hope, same feeling. And then he says, I want them to be glorified. Wow. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus loved you before the creation of the world. Whether you know it or not, the Scriptures tell us that even before the creation of the world, He knew you. 
He knew you by name. He knew you by uh, temperament. He knew everything about you. The Scriptures tell us He knows every word that was on your mouth or will be in your mouth even before the foundation of the world. That's how much God knows about you. He knows your ups, your downs, your rounds, your rights, all of those things. And yet He still loves you. Then Jesus prays, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me and I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The glory that God has given the church is His love and the power of His Son. He calls us to be sanctified. He calls us to be unified and He calls us to be glorified in His presence. Amen. So, on an individual level, being sanctified is a two-step process. The Scriptures teach us when we first give our life to Christ, we are washed, we are sanctified, we are glorified. The Bible teaches us that we have been changed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, when if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So if you're worried this morning and thinking to yourself, oh, I don't feel that sanctified. Sanctified can mean washed. It can mean um, baptised. It can be cleansed. Sanctification is the process of removing the old and putting in the new. And that happens when we give our life to Christ. But it's also an ongoing process. Have you ever been checked by the Holy Spirit sometimes and then rechecked? And you think, oh, I just checked again. That's called the process of sanctification. And God is in the process of doing that regularly for our sake. The Bible teaches us that God dwells with him whose heart is pure and his motives are right. And so if we allow the Holy Spirit to check us from time to time and we're listening to him, then for our benefit, he sanctifies us. Because when we allow that work of the Holy Spirit to go within us, the presence of God becomes real to us and we know him. Have you ever said something bad to somebody and you, you need to sort that out, but you haven't got time to sort it out just yet. And that feeling that you have that you've got to get it right, but you have not yet got it right. And that awkwardness of feeling when you go to talk to somebody and you think, how are they going to respond? But you know something's there and it's just, you just think, I just wish we could just get this out of the, and clear the air. Yeah? Ever had that feeling? That's the process of sanctification. Sin separates. The whole purpose of sin is to separate us from God. Sanctification is about bringing us closer to Him. Now, God will use anybody to, to share His message. But when there's a clean vessel, a vessel whose motives are right, whose heart is pure, who's allowed God to go, you know, massage you into the place that He wants you to be, that message is pretty strong. 
because God's presence is pleased to dwell with somebody who's set apart for Him. Sanctify them by the Word, for the Word is truth. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And God's process of sanctification is through God, the Holy Spirit, the truth, prayer, and the church. Secondly, he wants us to be unified. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, everybody say, I'm chosen, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. This is good for unity, isn't it? Amen. That's what I'm talking about just a minute ago. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since of members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. In fact, our headmaster in his, this week's Mac update, Mac chat, he was talking about this. He was talking about how Paul started his letters, grace and peace be with you. And here's the message here for us. Peace comes when we live with one another in unity. Now, who lives in peace in their household 100% of the time? None of us are, amen. Isn't God clever how he puts us together? He just does. And when he does that, it helps us. Iron sharpens iron, they say. But I can tell you, a couple of old rocks together in the, in the bag, they'll sharpen each other as well. <laughs> Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's a good passage, message for living. You, know, you want to aim for how to live life? Boom, there it is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. See how these three things sort of intermesh with each other? Sanctification, unification, and then glory. You'll see how that plays out in a second. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That in all is where we're heading in just a moment. Romans chapter 15, verse 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, sanctified, set apart for Him, for His purpose, unified, so that God, when we're in unity, God commands a blessing to come upon us. Um, <clears throat> Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil. Oh, hang on, oil. Flowing warm honey, maybe, shampoo, simar. When we live together in blessing, 
when we live together in unity is like the precious oil running down on the beard. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. This message we have is not just words. This message we have is love and grace and peace and anointing, amen. And it's connection with Him. The greatest, and I, let, let, let me really backtrack. John chapter 17, I haven't given this to you, uh, Jeff, but if you can get this, this would be great. John chapter 17 and verse three. We got it there? Sorry, buddy. Now this is eternal life. Woo! This is eternal life. He tells us in the prayer that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what is eternal life? It's to know God and to know Jesus. Now, I think I preached this last time I preached, maybe the time before, and I was saying that the message of the gospel is for now and that you can have eternal life now. Most people think when I cark it, then I'll get to go to eternal life. But I'm telling you, the eternal life is to know Him. And if we can know Him now, we can have eternal life now, amen. And it can well up on the inside of us and it becomes the message that we give to one another. People need the Lord, there's no question about that. There are plenty of young Ken McLeans running out, around out there. I don't mean babies that I don't know about. I mean <laughs> kids that are in similar circumstances to me. <laughs> Get that straight there, people. <laughs> there are people that are struggling with family, with health, with identity, with who they are. I mean, identity is the hugest thing at the moment. I mean, if you want to be a meerkat, you can decide to be a meerkat. <laughs> you know, if you want to be a whatever, you can be, but that's not how God intended for us to believe. God intended that we might know Him. And when we know Him, we find our true identity and we find legs to stand on and faith to build our life upon and truth that will sanctify us. That will unify us. And it won't be, oh, you know, you didn't use the right pronouns for me. <coughs> It'll be, hey, this person told me I could be a child of God. And I'm so grateful that as a child of God, I have the benefit of being glorified in His presence. I sense Him around about me. And I'm grateful that somebody just didn't make me decide who I am. <coughs> Getting too excited here but allowed God to tell me who I was and something that He said. It was more than what He said, it was who He was that made me believe it. Amen. <coughs> so that's eternal life. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, this is Paul, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like in Him in death so that somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Amen. There are a lot of people in this. I'm running out of breath here. You can sense it, can't you? You can, I need reviving right now. <coughs> we did CPR the other day at school and these mannequins had little lights in them. I thought, how, how helpful would it be if people had these same three little lights in them, you know? So that when it came time that 
they needed reviving, <coughs> this red light would go on and you could see it. <coughs> I'm going to have to drink the water before I choke to death up here. <coughs> and somebody has to come up and give me CPR. That'd be a worry. Wouldn't it? They've released you from trying to put any breath in me, so that's all right. You could just pump me. So, so, <clears throat> in order to make sure that the mannequin stayed alive, although it died after you finished after the two minutes anyway, you had to pump at the right time and blow at the right time, yeah? Because of COVID, they didn't let you blow in the thing anymore. So I don't know how people survive, but that's how it is. But sometimes you need that reviving. You just need something to kickstart you to go again. And, uh, and this message is like that. Sometimes we just need to be reminded I'm a child of God and that I've been set apart for Him. I've got a message from Him and people need this message. People need this message. They don't need you to quote, you know, 600 passages of Scripture at them. They don't need to tell you what they're doing wrong. They already know that. What they need you to do is share the love of Jesus with them and the presence of God with them to allow yourself to be touched by the things that touch Jesus' heart. Shirley Donald was one of those. Saw a young boy whose family was broken and set apart and just weird and, and saw that he needed Jesus. So said, you know what? I may not be the preacher. I may not have a ministry degree, but I've got a car and I can pick him up and I can take him to youth. <clears throat> David Dufty, he said to himself, there's somebody I can invite to come to church. And so he did, amen. <clears throat> And Janet Wade Main said, this guy's going to go really wild. If she could see me now, she'd be disappointed. No, no. If she, <laughs> this guy is going to go really crazy unless he finds the love of Christ and the discipline of God. And, and so she did. And Laurie Hennessy, I can name a thousand people who have been intricate in some way or other of, of, of this message of hope that has come into my world. And you may be that person for somebody else. Because one thing is sure and for certain, that God loves what's going on in this church. God loves what goes on in the four walls. But Jesus gave his life for what happens outside of those four walls. He, he wants to show himself to people so much, amen. And when we get <clears throat> that idea that I'm set apart for his glory, I should live for him, I should allow myself to be trained and and. and ordered by Him, and then we say, I'm going to be in unity with what people are doing in the church so that we might be effective as a body of Christ. And then I'm going to do what He tells me, and I'm going to view people as He calls me to view them. Then the glory of the Lord comes down upon us. And I know I'm mucked around about the 20 verse 6 for numbers, but how good is that? I mean, these two guys come out of the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord fell upon them. How good is it? Then you know that you know that you know that you've got to do something, amen. I think I had a Hindi um, Uber driver the other morning. I had to drop a bus down early and got an Uber back. <clears throat> Turned out this be this 19-year-old Indian fella. And he was sleepy as anything. And, you know, I was just thinking, oh, this guy looks tired already. And started up a chat a conversation with him. And then as we're driving along and with my nice new wallet that the church at home people gave me, I, uh, I thought, I've got to bless this guy somehow. And I felt the Lord say halfway through the trip, give him a tip. 
And so um, we arrived at the spot, <coughs> Tyndale Christian School, and uh, I pulled out $50 and gave it to him, and he was embarrassed. He's going, no, sir, no, no, it's too much, sir. And I said, no, 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 I just want to bless you this morning, and I believe God's told me to bless you, so be blessed. And uh, such a simple little thing to do, but I know God's presence was in that Uber right then, right there. <clears throat> now everybody's gone, that's why he didn't have 50 bucks to give me to go out for dinner. <laughs> but I felt the glory and the anointing right there, right then. I knew that I'd done the right thing. And glory is given to God when we're obedient to Him. And that sense of love and passion and anointing is the blessing that I received as a result of glorifying God. And that's what we ought to be, church. We need God in our world. Not just because we're sinners, not just because we need to be sanctified, not just because we need to be unified, but because He wants His glory to be seen in this earth. And unless we allow Him to do that, the message of Christ gets lost. I have, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Yet, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If that passage, that scripture alone is not the essence of Jesus' prayer, I don't know what is. My prayer is that today you would remind yourself, I've been sanctified. I've been washed. You may think your past disqualifies you from sharing a message about Jesus. You may say to yourself, I don't know if I could ever be used by God. I don't know if I've done anything outstanding in my world, in my life. I haven't got a you know, bachelor's degree of this or that or something else. Heck, there are days I even struggle to go to church myself. How could I be used by God? Ask Him. Say, God, I want to be set apart for you. And even your message that you may think is not God glorifying, God can turn that whole situation around and you'll bring glory to God through your message of faith. You know what? I was this, but now. How many of the Pharisees and Sadducees told people, you can't do that, you can't say that, you can't? <laughs> Forget the naysayers. Just ask what Jesus is saying. If God said it, that settles it. I believe it. If God said He washed me, He washed me. If God said my past is behind me, then I'm not going to turn around and keep looking at my past. I'm going to look at the message of hope and faith He has given me and I'll walk boldly into that. Paul said it from now on, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the new message. And then just don't let the enemy trip you up by making you get into disunity with people around about you. Because when disunity comes, it's, it's, it's almost like putting a little bit of vinegar in the water 
No matter how much more water you pour in, it takes a lot more water to get rid of the vinegary taste, yeah? Sometimes you just need to tip the whole thing out and start again. That's what the altar's about. The altar's about pouring your life out to Christ, saying, fill me again, Lord. If you notice something that's in you that is not too good and you find yourself a bit snappy or surly or whatever, find a brother that will cheer you up. Find, find somebody in the, get the word of God on the inside of you. You'll be sanctified by the truth of God's word. If somebody says you're this and that and something else, well then go and have a look in the mirror. This is not a mirror, this is paper with the word of God printed. And you say, oh, hang on, that's what God says I am. Oh, you're a loser, McLean. No, I'm not, I'm a winner. That's what Jesus said. Oh, you're going to amount to nothing. No, no, my life is for the glory of God. You're disqualified. You didn't do this or that. And the devil brings his bony, bony pointy finger at you. Say, hang on, Jesus says I'm forgiven. Set free, set apart, united with him. Oh, hang on. And it says that if I'm united with him, the glory is on me. It's the devil. The glory is on me. I know we muck around, but some of those Pentecostal people, they just get the truth in there, amen? Sometimes you just got to say, that's what I was. I love my baptism. Ben was baptized. Brad, I mean, was baptised not long ago. The best thing about baptism is you've got a date where you can say, on that day, that person died. When the enemy comes and says, you were a loser, you were terrible to your parents, you were this, you were that, you were something else, you say, that person died. On the 20th of October, 1991, Ken McLean died. And I've been risen again, amen. I've got new life breathed on the inside of me. I'm a resurrected, Holy Ghost-filled, power-empowered person by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. He's given me a message of hope and love that you too can be resurrected and redeemed and set apart and glorified. Amen. We're going to have communion here this morning. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? So can we have all the ushers come? Ushers. I always think of music when I think of usher, but, you know. Or, or you think of the library where they go, shh, shh, shh. Do you hate people that shh? They make more noise than the people who are making noise. You know, you're, you're a noisemaker, you're not an usher. <laughs> so we're going to celebrate communion. Communion is about taking something in. We do that in remembrance of him, but we do it in remembrance that he died and was raised again. Now, <clears throat> when did I go through this Bible passage with Dr. Ian Pennycook? Back in 1991. And at that time, Jeff Bullock who remembers that? Oh, Hillsong. Who remembers the great Southland of the Holy Spirit? I mean, you, I mean you, if you didn't have Darlene Check's sound in your ears as a Christian in those days, you didn't have it, you know? Like, that was like an angel from heaven. And this song by Jeff Bullock really impacts and it talks about this message, I believe. And the words are, we need reviving for this nation to see you. Purifying so that we might ever see your face. To be holy and to know the power of your spirit and to be righteous by both will and by grace. Then we'll know your power, then we'll know your love, then we'll know your grace. We need reviving for our hearts to be mended. You may feel inadequate, insecure, broken but we need that reviving work of the Holy Spirit 
for our hearts to be mended, sanctifying, that's set apart, to know the power of God within. We need to be forgiven and to turn as a nation to seek you and to know your fire, the fire of passion, fire of love. And I'd like the guys to play this song for us while we prepare to take communion together.
by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.